This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Jackie. And I'm Leah. We normally look for cases that are smaller and not typically covered by the media, but this case has always piqued my interest, so I figured why not? I had no idea what was going on or much about the case at all before looking into it. I have heard snippets of this case and, you know, have seen headlines, but really had no clue to the events of the actual case itself. Today, we will be covering the case of the killing of John Bonet Ramsey. The murder of John Bonet Ramsey. John Bonet's body was found. John Bonet Ramsey, the little girl in Colorado, was murdered. Beauty queen John Bonet. John Bonet's murder has frightened residents of Boulder. They are investigating her death as a homicide. So far, no arrests have been made. On December 13, 1996, in Boulder, Colorado, the Ramsey family had a church party at their home with more than 150 guests. Whoa. Which is crazy to think. It's almost as many people at my wedding. (laughs) It's like literally a wedding at their house, but for a Christmas party. So then 10 days later, on December 23rd, the Ramseys hosted a Christmas party with approximately 30 guests attending. Former journalism professor Bill McRonalds played Santa Claus at the party. And at 6.47 p.m., someone attending the party placed a 911 call, which was answered by police dispatcher Teresa Hillary. The caller hung up without saying anything, so then police called back only to get the Ramsey's answering machine. When a police officer was sent out, they went to the home at around 6.54 p.m. and leaves at about 7.09 p.m. after being assured that there was no emergency and the call was a mistake. So on December 24th, John Bonet played at her friend Megan Kostanek's house and told Megan's mother about a secret special visit that she had gotten from Santa. On the same day, the Ramseys attended a twilight service at St. John's Church. At around 9 p.m. that night, John Ramsey, John Bonet's dad, went over to the next-door neighbors to retrieve a brand-new silver girl's bike that was stored there for John Bonet for the next day. When they both got home, they went downstairs to the basement, and they got all of their gifts that they had stashed down there for Christmas, and they brought them upstairs and put them under the tree. On December 25th, the Ramseys woke up, they made pancakes, opened presents, and really that's the only information I could get out of that day, at least in the morning, I should say. There isn't much information, and I think it's because I had read multiple places that the records are sealed in mm-hmm. regards to the details of the morning. I don't know why. Yeah, that's a little... I mean, usually Christmas, it's just a typical like day with family, going mm-hmm. to see friends and family. Yes. So, so I think that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I did find the little snippets here mainly from interviews from the Ramseys. So then later that night, still on Christmas Day, between 5 to 6 p.m., the Ramseys attended a white Christmas party at Fleet and Priscilla White's house. And attendee of the party had reported saying that nothing out of the ordinary occurred at the party. And the Ramseys family seemed happy and content mm-hmm. and normal. So then around 8.30 p.m. that night, the Ramseys left the party, and Patsy Ramsey, who is JonBenet's mom, said that on the drive home from the party, JonBenet and her brother Burke had fallen asleep in the car. The Ramseys dropped gifts off at Stuart and Roxy Walker's house and then had, like, sit and talked for about 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. then went to Glenn and Susan Stein's house on the way home uh, to drop off gifts and say hi and happy holidays and things like that. Sometime around 9 p.m., the Ramseys arrived home, and John carries John Bonet up to the bed. Patsy was quickly behind him and dressed her in long underwear. 
During the interview, she mentions only putting the pants on, not the top. John had stated, I laid her on the bed, took off her coat and shoes. I was amazed at how sound asleep she was. It had been a long day for her. Patsy came in to finish getting JonBenet ready for bed. And that's when she changed her pants. Mm -hmm. I found another interview that Patsy stated JonBenet was wearing a turtleneck when she went to sleep. I also found a statement that John mentioned that he had read to JonBenet before leaving her room, Mm -hmm. which contradicts her sleeping through being carried up to bed and being changed into pajamas. He later denied ever saying that, but he was quoted literally saying that. So I'm not really sure on which story is correct, but either way, she was asleep, she was changed, and they left the room. Uh, John then goes and helps Burke put together a model parking garage that he had received on Christmas around 9.30, puts a bed. Sometime around 10 p.m., Patsy goes in and checks on JonBenet. According to Patsy, 10 p.m. would be the last time that she had seen JonBenet. That's so sad. But according to Detective Linda Arndt, John Ramsey said that JonBenet had last been seen by her father at approximately 10 p.m. in her bed sleeping. So either way, one of the parents went and checked on her. Okay. And then sometime between 10 and 10.30, Patsy goes to bed. She had stated, I was probably in bed by then, 10 or 10.30. I can't remember exactly, is what she had said. So then uh, around 10.03 to 10.30, John goes to bed as well. Now, during the interview, Steve Thomas asked Patsy, John came to bed shortly thereafter. Do you recall it was 15 minutes or about a half hour after she had gotten into bed? She responded with, it probably was just a few minutes. So they went to bed around the same time. The interview ends with the detective stating that both John and Patsy slept through the night without waking or any, you know, they didn't. There was no disturbance. There was no disturbance. Yeah. On the morning of December 26, around 5.45 a.m., Patsy Ramsey had woken up early to prepare for a trip to Michigan when Patsy discovered a ransom note on the stairs demanding $118,000 for their daughter's safe return, in which John and Patsy find their six-year-old, JonBenet Ramsey, missing from her bed at their home. Despite the ransom note's warnings not to involve police, Patsy immediately called 911 frantic that her daughter had been kidnapped as well as friends and family in order to help search for JonBenet. So instantly she wakes up, finds a note, calls 911, mm-hmm. then calls a ton of her family and friends to start searching for JonBenet. So then around 5.55 a.m., the Boulder police officer, Rick French and Carl Veach, arrive at the Ramsey home. The officers conduct a quick search of the home and report no obvious signs of forced entry. The minute the police arrive, they block off JonBenet's room, declaring it a crime scene, which... No one was allowed to go into the room, but friends and family were able to roam the rest of the house, picking up things and potentially destroying any evidence that was left behind. That's terrible. Yeah, that is the Mm -hmm. worst. Usually for a missing person, they should have blocked the whole house off. The whole house. Yes. Even the whole yard area. Everything should have been. Well, and it's December. There's snow. And footprints. Hello. Yeah. 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 It was not a good call. Mm-hmm. At 1 p.m., John Ramsey and Fleet White, who is a family friend, discover the girl's body in the basement after police recommended they search the home to see if anything was amiss, to see if they had taken anything, you know, during the kidnapping. Police say that John Bonet was not stabbed or shot, but won't disclose how she had died at this time. So I think that's kind of weird because supposedly in the very beginning, the police did a quick search of the house and didn't go to the basement. Yeah, I don't believe that they 
wouldn't have gone to the basement. Or maybe um, John and this Fleet White beat them going into the basement. Well, no, because that was around 1 p.m. The cops arrived around 5.55 a.m. And they supposedly did a quick search of the house. I mean, I guess did I not can, include the basement. I can understand them doing just a quick search of the house because if there was a ransom note and it seemed as though she had been kidnapped, why would the police think we need to search this whole house right now? But that's maybe true. upon that's true. like investigating, they saw there was not much evidence to show that she had been taken from the home. Mm-hmm. So then maybe they were like, well, hang on. Why don't we check the rest of the house? Let's see what's going on. That's just, that's my two cents. Yes. (laughs) So the first place they looked was the basement. And that's when, like I said, they found John Penny's body lying on the floor. John Ramsey immediately picked up his daughter's body and brought her upstairs to the police. Which unfortunately destroyed any potential evidence Mm -hmm. by destroying the crime scene and touching John Penny. I... I can never say how I would react because I don't even want to think about that if that were one of my children. But, mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. That just does, it's like a punch in the gut. Yes. Because not only they have no idea how she actually was laying. Yeah. But then. Or where she was found exactly in the basement. Mm-hmm. Position, everything like you just everything. said. The whole crime scene is destroyed. Oh, yeah. So while police looked around for evidence, it was noted that there were seven windows and one door left unlocked. But even those were found to be very unlikely to be the entrance points due to the undisturbed cobwebs and snow outside of those windows slash doors. Yeah. So then on December 27th, the Boulder County coroner reveals that John Bonet was strangled. During the autopsy, it was discovered that John Bonet Ramsey had died from asphyxiation due to strangulation in addition to a skull fracture. Her mouth had been covered in duct tape and her wrist and neck were wrapped with a white cord. Her torso had been covered in a white blanket. There was no conclusive evidence of rape as no semen was found on the body, but the vagina did appear to have been wiped clean. Now, this is at the time. It later comes out, I do want to say before people say something, mm-hmm. that it did appear that she was molested. That's just so horrible. She was strangled with a makeshift garret, which was made using a length of cord and part of a paintbrush from the basement. I want to just preference a garret is a string and something hard, like a piece of wood, Mm -hmm. um, stick, something. And then pretty much you take that stick and you just keep twisting. Yeah. Until they die. Yeah. Which is disgusting. The coroner also found what was believed to be pineapple in JonBenet's stomach. Her parents do not remember giving her any pineapple that night before she died. Uh, there was a bowl of pineapple in the kitchen, which had her brother's fingerprints on it. However, it was... Yeah, how do they know? Yeah, he. they were like, this meant when little to nothing. Yeah. Just because everyone could have touched that bowl. I mean, you know, the yeah. people were walking all over the place. Right. The Ramseys maintained Burke was in his room all night, and there was no physical evidence to reflect otherwise. Okay. So then on December 30th, the family flies to Georgia, where John Bonet will later be buried, which I think is crazy because then on December 31st, John Bonet is buried in Georgia. And I think that's crazy that she was already released and buried. Yeah, because usually with a case like that, a homicide that's unsolved, they don't they usually, release the body. Exactly, yeah. In case they need to investigate further. Or like relook at something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy. So during the case, the media went wild. 
It was a huge case. Yeah. A lot of rumors and accusations were flying around towards the family, which, in my opinion, makes sense because the whole thing was very suspicious. So then the next year, 1997, we're going to January 1st, John and Patsy Ramsey go on CNN for their first interview, proclaiming their innocence and telling an interviewer that there is a killer on the loose. John Ramsey has hired Brian Morgan, a Denver lawyer, to represent him. So this was only five-ish days after John Bonet had died, and then this was one day after she was buried. Yes. Okay. A very fast-paced situation. And hiring a lawyer. Yes. Which, you can. it's a double-edged sword. You can look at it. It, it is. It makes sense because there are rumors and the accusations going flying around. Yeah. Blaming the family mm-hmm. instantly. But then it also is suspicious at the same time. Right. So it's, you don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. So then on January 4th, police finished their 10-day search of the family home. So it had been on official lockdown once they found the body. Okay. Then on January 7th, sources reveal that investigators found a quote-unquote practice ransom note written in the same type of pen on the same paper as the note found in the Ramsey home. Okay. Which very interesting so the kidnapper or murderer in this case not supposedly kidnapper, wrote it in the house okay is what they're getting at and practiced it. okay yes okay okay so then on january 23rd the ramsey friends and relatives say that police have questioned them about past child abuse in connection with the murder a former nanny and others tell the daily camera that they don't believe abuse was possible meanwhile john douglas a former fbi profiler hired by the Ramsey family, tells Larry King on CNN that this investigation included family members did not commit the murder, which is pretty ballsy to say um, yeah, when no one has been cleared. He says former. It says, though, here, former FBI profiler, and he was hired by yes. the family. So in a way, he of was kind of getting paid to be like, hey, they didn't do this. Everyone should back off. Exactly. But there's really, right now, there's not a ton of evidence to prove they didn't do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So then February 13th, Boulder County District Attorney Alex Hunter threatens to seek the death penalty in JonBenet's murder. He also announces the formation of a panel of advisors, and he says forensic evidence will be sent for additional testing to the private Cellmark laboratories in Maryland, which I think is all good news. So then on March 3rd, Patsy Ramsey gives a third handwriting sample. So during all this time, she's giving handwriting samples over and over and over again, and they're trying to rule her out as the person that wrote the ransom note i guess why did they have her do so many just to see if there were inconsistencies or consistencies because they were inconclusive okay they were inconclusive inconclusive and nothing was saying yes it is her or no it wasn't so then they had her just keep writing a million until they could figure out what was going on okay so then on march 6th police say that john ramsey's adult children are not suspects in the murder now they don't ever really mention the other two um he has two adult children from a previous relationship mm-hmm. um they don't live in the house they are they weren't even in i don't even think they were in this town the day of the crime so then on march 14th sources close to the investigation say that john ramsey did not write the ransom note so he officially is ruled he did not write it okay with his his handwriting samples. his handwriting samples mm-hmm. yes so then on April 10th and April 15th, police seek the fourth and fifth handwriting samples from Patsy Ramsey, still not clearing her from writing it, um, which I think is kind of crazy because it's like, how many times do you have to have her write it right. before you can tell, like, yes, yeah, well, she did Well, how it different does she write it each time? Yeah. Yeah. That's another That thing. many times. Mm-hmm. 
So then on April 19th, the Boulder District Attorney's Office labeled Patsy and John Ramsey as main targets of the investigation. Now, I want to preference, I saw this multiple, multiple, multiple places that they did say that they were the main targets of the investigation. Mm -hmm. But then later, they're quoted, the district attorney is quoted, we've never said that they were suspects. Even though they were also quoted saying that they were multiple times. So, take that with what you will, but I think they should be considered suspects until proven. Proven innocent. Yes, 100%. Like, I don't care who you are to the victim, you are a suspect until proven innocent. Yeah, well, when the victim's found in your home, unfortunately, you're a suspect. Yeah, for sure. Until you're proven otherwise. Mm Mm-hmm. So then on April 22nd, Boulder County Coroner John Mayer tells the Daily Camera that the police inquired about keeping JonBenet's body until the Ramseys agreed to an interview. Mayer said that he told police he would release her body because the forensic work was done. So obviously her body was released pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But the coroner came forward and mentioned that, you know, they were trying to use her body as leverage, which is dirty. It is. Yeah. Not a good look. At the end of the day, she's just this little Little innocent girl yeah who deserves to be put to rest Mm -hmm. for sure so then on april 30th four months after the murder john and patsy ramsey finally submit to a formal interview at the boulder county justice center which is kind of crazy to me because so pretty much what they were hinting at is the ramseys were very scared to do interviews and and i can understand that to an extent Mm -hmm. but Again, I would never wish this on anyone, but if that were, if I were in that type of situation, I don't know how I would react, but I would like to think that I would want to do whatever is possible to help investigators move forward. With the, with the case, with for the sure. With the case. And, and if they're to, looking at me, and if I were 100%, I did not do this, my, I know my husband didn't do this. I say, what questions do you have? I'll answer them all. I'll do anything you want. Exactly. We need to figure out what happened to my daughter. But again, I can't say that for sure. I don't know how I would react. Mm-hmm. I, I can see, like you said, it's the double-edged sword. You can see from both sides mm-hmm. why they'd be scared as well. Especially with people, I mean, the nation literally calling you a murderer. Yeah. And that you killed your daughter. Yeah. That alone, I mean, yeah, that terrifies you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, if you really have nothing to hide, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think? But then, like you said, you never know. You really yeah. never know until hopefully no one is in that situation. But you never know until Because I are. would be scared, too, if I sit down for an interview and I say something that is a little off and I don't mean to, then they're going to zero in on me mm-hmm. and I don't want them to. It takes away from the investigation. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's a horrible position situation. for them mm-hmm. to have to be in. Exactly. So then fast forward to May 13th, two Boulder police investigators, Detective Linda the first to arrive at the murder scene, and Detective Melissa Camp, uh, she was formerly known as Melissa Hickman, are dropped from the case, making this the third detective dropped from this case, and it's not even been a year. Wow. Now, I will say, throughout this whole entire case, it is mind-blowing the amount of detectives that have been picked up and dropped on this case. I don't mention all of them because it's honestly too much. Does it say Why? So, some of them were because they were were accused of leaking information. Some of them for... It it doesn't say why on all of them, but some of them were those types of things. But either way, it's very freaking weird to me that they... So many people went through this investigation. It's kind of crazy to me. 
So then on May 15th, police confirm they received DNA test results in connection with the murder, but sources said the tests were not as conclusive as they could be. Which, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean it was... Like there wasn't enough DNA evidence to really have like a good sample? I don't... Yeah, it's like kind of vague in like my was opinion. Was it a partial sample? Or was it or? jeopardized in some way? You know, right. what had yeah, happened? Yeah, was it? Yeah. So then on May 20th, Patsy Ramsey provides authorities with a fifth handwriting sample. Still, uh, she has not been ruled out as the author of the ransom note. Meanwhile, Boulder District Judge Carol Galinsky delays for another 15 days in order to release most of the 60-year-old's autopsy report, which had been sealed. So, little snippets of the autopsy report, but the whole thing has not been released yet Mm -hmm. as of this time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, people don't really know the details. Uh, June 7th, signs of a computer break-in appear in the war room, which was the main room of the investigation, set up for prosecutors and police investigators working on the Ramsey case. That's horrible. But it did later come out that it was a glitch caused by a power outage. It ended up not being an actual Good. break-in or say, my hacking. goodness. <laughs> yeah, this case kind of, it's the craziness, I swear to God. So then June 30th, officers from Boulder Police Department, the Boulder County District Attorney's Office, and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation returned to the 700-square-foot house looking for more clues. So I'm assuming that they still have not re- even released the house, I would assume and hope. Six months later. Yeah. So I, Okay. They did mention, I didn't put this in the timeline because I didn't think it was necessary, but I do believe the Ramseys went out and bought another house. I, I can totally Which understand. makes sense. Yeah. Because it's like, what do you, well, and they were pretty well off. Like, yeah. very well off. So, I think they just bought another house because they were assuming this house was going to be locked up for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm assuming they would have, they probably wanted to sell it anyways. And they yeah. end up do selling it, but for obvious reasons. So, then on July 2nd, investigators confirmed the plan to destroy walls in the Ramsey's home in hope of locating evidence related to the murder. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you knocking? I, I think that's kind of weird. Do you think that's weird? I don't know. Knocking down walls? Like, I mean, what did they do? O- open the wall and then patch it up the same day? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I crazier things have happened, though. I mean, I guess they're kind of grasping at straws at this mm-hmm. point. They're going almost, what, seven months of yeah. an investigation and not really having any evidence, any leads. I can see how knocking down the walls, maybe somebody had something hidden. I you never know. And if yeah. the Ramseys, you know, they had another house and they knew that they weren't going to be coming back. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like I've never heard that before, but. I've never, pers- I've, I've never heard that either, but. Really trying to find something. Here. Yeah. So then, like I said, so officially July 9th, the Ramseys buy a new home in Atlanta where they plan to move after the summer in Michigan. So this whole entire time they've been in Michigan, the summer, I mm-hmm. should say, this whole summer they've been in Michigan. Uh, I believe john is from michigan okay um he now lives in michigan like to this day okay uh so i think they travel there for trips and things like that so then july 15th sources say fingerprint tests on the ransom note are inconclusive which you find a lot in this case things are inconclusive they which it's like what is inconclusive are you sending it to a bad lab like what is happening to the you know what i'm saying like too many things there are inconclusive. Wasn't, yeah, or there wasn't enough of a print to definitively yeah. put into the system to try and find anyone. Yeah. That's how I guess I would take it. So then August 13th, the remainder of JonBenet's autopsy is released with details on how the six-year-old was dressed, but not revealing the time of death. Hmm. And still to this day, the time of death is not revealed. Oh, so 
it's never been released. No. Oh, wow. Still to this day. Because okay. I searched high and low for it, and still to this day has not been released. I found some of the autopsy, and before I read what was reported, I do want to give a trigger warning. Some of the things made my stomach turn and brought tears to my eyes. It's very messed up. So I just, if you don't want to listen, yeah, so fast if you don't want to listen, yeah, fast forward. Yes. Now's the time. So John Bonet was laying on her back on the floor covered by a blanket and a sweatshirt. On removing these two items from the top of the body, John Bonet was found to be lying on her back with her arms extended over her head. It then continues, John Bonet is clothed in a long-sleeve, white-knit, collarless shirt, the mid-interior chest area of which contains an embroidered silver star decorated with silver sequences, which is then later talked about multiple times in interviews with her mom, mm-hmm. that she like knows this shirt. There are no defects noted in the shirt, but the upper anterior right sleeve contains a dried brown tan stain measuring two and a half inches by one and a half inches. Consistent with mucus from the nose or mouth, there are long white underwear with an elastic waistband containing a red and blue stripe. Long underwear is kind of, if people are unfamiliar, it's kind of like leggings. Mm-hmm. Um, like those thermal ones. Yes. Yeah. You're supposed to like wear it like under long things. Johns. Yes. That's what I call them. So imagine that. It's not mm-hmm. actual underwear Okay. when they say that. I just didn't want people to be confused. Mm-hmm. So the long underwear are urine stained over the crotch and the legs. No defects are identified. And when they say no defects, I'm assuming they're talking about tears. Yeah. Beneath the long underwear are white panties with printed rosebuds in the word Wednesday on the elastic band. The underwear is urine stained and in the inner aspect of the crotch are several red areas of staining measuring up to a half inch in maximum dimension. Blood and abrasions were found in the vaginal area, which is like I said, later it comes out. No, she was. Something Mm -hmm. did happen. John Bonet was struck on the head violently enough to cause bleeding and an eight and a half inch fracture of her skull. Extending from the knot on the posterior aspect of the neck are two tails of the knot, one measuring four inches in length and having a frayed end, the other measuring 17 inches in length with the end tied in multiple loops around the length of a rotten tan brown wood stick, which ends up being Patsy's paintbrush. Oh. Blonde hair is intertwined in the knot on the posterior aspect of the neck, as well as in the cord wrapped around the wooden stick. On the middle finger of the right hand is a yellow metal band. Around the wrist is a yellow metal identification bracelet with the name JonBenet on one side and the date 1225-96 on the other side. A red ink line drawing in the form of a heart is located on the palm of her left hand. Hmm. Now, the jewelry are two gifts she got for Christmas. Mm. So she got a little ring and then she got a little bracelet for Christmas. So she was wearing those. Leading experts came to conclude that her murderer changed her clothing after sexually assaulting her and killing her. I would like to say, when they say that they changed her clothing, I'm thinking he meant the underwear, not yeah, the actual like the top. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, didn't they say it was... Her vaginal area was wiped clean? Yes. Okay. Her hair was in two ponytails, one on top of her head and one at the base of her neck, which I think is weird. That's a weird hairstyle. It is. And I'm questioning, did they do, did the murderer do that? Maybe to get her hair out of, out of her way. way. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh. Because wouldn't you think that Patsy would have admitted, yes, I put her hair in that? Yeah. And, and she never did. She never talks about the hair, which yeah. I think is interesting. That's definitely something that you would remember. Yes. 
So Dr. Wecht, corner of Algany County, Pennsylvania, and a forensic expert said that he has no doubt that the red stains, as well as the vaginal injuries documented in previously released autopsy findings, are evidence of sexual assault, which I think we can all assume because... Why else would she be bleeding down there? Exactly. Like, there's uh, just no reason. She's too mm-hmm. young for anything as such as a period mm-hmm. or anything like that. While Wet concluded the girl was strangled during a sex game, is this is his assumption, okay. not fact, mm-hmm. uh, using the cord and accidentally killed her, with the murderer taking other actions to cover up the crime, such as blunt force trauma um, and killing her in another way. Another renowned child abuse expert, Dr. Robert Kirshner, believes the autopsy results reveal a planned act of violence. I think it shows whoever wanted to kill this child really did not like this child, said Kirshner, retired deputy chief medical examiner of Cook County, Illinois, and a clinical associate in the pathology and sociology departments of the University of Chicago. Garroting takes away the potential it was a spontaneous act in anger, and it appeared that the girl's clothing may have been replaced or rearranged. He noted saying she wasn't wearing typical kids' pajamas, but Patsy was confirming that's what she put her in, so that kind of doesn't yeah. make... I, I'm thinking he might have said that before she admitted she changed her. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, he also mentioned that she may have been assaulted someplace else in the house and brought to the basement or reclothed after she was killed. He had noted that the killer apparently had ample time to commit the act, making it less likely that it was a stranger to the Ramsey home. He also said that the girl's injuries point to sexual assault as well. On September 8th, District Attorney Alex Hunter released his copies of the handwritten ransom note after it was leaked and published in a news article. Uh, Handwriting samples related to the note have eliminated John Ramsey as the author, but have still not excluded Patsy Ramsey, according to the police sources. Greg McGarry, a former FBI profiler, said the note expresses respect for John Ramsey. There is no anger at all towards Mr. Ramsey in this note, McGarry said. You know, so that's, what, nine months? And still, she has not been cleared, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, after all those handwriting samples. You would think, Mm -hmm. but still nothing. So then on November 6th, a Michigan District Court judge releases a January search warrant for the Ramseys michigan home revealing police search unsuccessfully for signs of threats or intruders on november 19th a new york lawyer sues district attorney alex hunter under a little used colorado law in an attempt to force hunter to charge pat ramsey with her daughter's murder on november 21st a michigan judge releases a second search warrant for the ramsey's vacation home indicating police search for samples of patsy ramsey's handwriting in the house which to me is indicating they're not believing what she's writing is her true handwriting yeah like she's manipulating it yes which questions yeah questions questions mm-hmm. so then on december 1st a boulder district judge dismissed the new york lawyer's attempt to force boulder county district attorney alex to file charges in the year-old John Bonet Ramsey murder investigation. Judge Roxanne Balin ruled Tuesday that Darney Hoffman is premature in his claims that Hunter has refused to prosecute anyone in the slaying of the six-year-old girl. There may come a time when the district attorney declines to investigate further and may be deemed to have refused to prosecute someone for this murder, Balin wrote in her four-page ruling. But at the time when detectives are still working full-time on the investigation, it cannot be said that the district attorney has refused to prosecute. 
Hoffman filed suit in November, alleging the district attorney's office had enough evidence to prosecute Patsy Ramsey in connection with her daughter's murder, citing a Colorado statue used successfully only once before. Hoffman wanted to force Hunter to file charges. The New York attorney claims independent handwriting analysis indicates Patsy Ramsey, JonBenet's mother, wrote the ransom note found the morning of December 26, 1996. JonBenet's body, strangled and beaten, was found hours later in the basement of the family Boulder's home. When reached for comment Tuesday, Hoffman said that he wasn't surprised by Balin's decision, but I'm certainly not outraged either, Hoffman said. She's not saying I'm wrong. She doesn't say there's no evidence against Patsy Ramsey. What the hell are we doing with this? All this means is that a future date, if it turns out he does refuse, I can bring suit again. Okay. I don't know. Like, this whole thing is just so crazy to me mm-hmm. because he's confirming to the public that there is clear evidence pointing to Patsy Ramsey. Now, the police have not released this information, mm-hmm. but he... Another person is saying, yes, this is true. Freaking charge her already. What are you waiting for? But obviously, you don't want to charge someone unless you have damn good evidence to prosecute them because you get one shot. You can't just keep prosecuting them. Like, you get the one shot, and if they are not guilty, Mm -hmm. you are screwed. So, like, I get why they're not eager to run to, you know, arrest her and stuff. So then on December 20th, the lead attorney for John Ramsey said... Friday, a stun gun may have been used in the December 26th slaying of the six-year-old JonBenet Ramsey. Brian Morgan said his clients have known about the stun gun for many months, partly because detectives investigating the case were asking neighbors questions about such a weapon, which is used to immobilize people Mm -hmm. through the use of electric shock. So they think, so they're saying that she was stunned. They're... Or they're alluding uh, to that. Alluding to it. Okay. Because... The police were asking multiple questions about stun guns, who owns one, who had they okay. seen one, you know, things like that. Okay. And then they also, I did find out later, there were marks on her neck that looked like a stun gun, but they can't They can't say. conclusively say that that's what yes. caused the marks. But they looked okay. exactly like a stun They were like the same yeah. width. They were, you know, it looked very similar. Mm-hmm. So that's why they were asking. Uh, so then on December 21st, University of Colorado student Susanna Chase, 23, is found beaten and near death in an alley one block from her downtown home. She dies the next day. The homicide remains unsolved. People, the reason I mention this at all is because people were like, well, maybe it's the same person. Mm-hmm. Maybe it isn't the family. Uh, she was happened killed right in a around, similar way. Yeah, yes. Right around the same time as Jean Benet. And a year later. A year later. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I just thought I'd mention that. Do I think they're related? More than likely not. Uh, but it is still unsolved to this day. I even looked into it a little bit. I wanted yeah. to see if it had been solved, and it's still unsolved. Um, it's a cold case for sure because that was however year, many years ago. So then on December 25th, a candlelight memorial on the downtown mall memorializes John Bonet Ramsey and Susanna Chase. December 26th, former Ramsey friend Judith Phillips leads a first anniversary vigil in front of the Ramsey's home, even though they were not living there at the time. Mm-hmm. But she leads that as the one-year anniversary comes around. In 1998, January 15th, Boulder Police reveal they have received written notice from Ramsey attorneys saying John Bonet's parents won't submit to a second police interview unless police first show, quote-unquote, good faith by allowing them to see the investigator's evidence. I get that. Like, what evidence do they have to keep asking the parents for interviews? Yeah, but at the same time, they're literally the only witnesses. 
they are the only people i mean there's they're not witnesses because they were supposedly mm-hmm. sleeping the whole time. But they're the only people that were in the house, except for a nine-year-old little boy. But I guess I'd want to know what other routes are they taking. I'd want to know what other avenues are you exploring. Yeah, like don't tunnel in on me. What other yeah. things are happening? I could, yeah, I I can agree with that. That whole double-edged sword. Yeah. With both this ways. case specifically, it's yep. it's a big one. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. So then on February 4th, media outlets report John and Patsy Ramsey have hired a lawyer to represent their young son, Burke, whom police want to question about his sister's death. Jim Jenkins, based in Atlanta, also represented John Ramsey's older children when police questioned and cleared them in 97. So then on February 6th, some by a palm print, they can't identify police detectives are taking prints from people close to the JonBenet Ramsey murder investigation, including the local photographer who is suing the slain six-year-old's father and a national tabloid. Mm-hmm. Now, that I didn't want to get into because there's this huge lawsuit that was going on at the mm-hmm. time. I mean, he also has to remember, though, during this time, this didn't just receive, like, national coverage throughout the u.s it went global Mm -hmm. it It was was huge huge. yes to sum that up though it is important to mention again they did have a palm print but Mm -hmm. they just couldn't identify it which i think is good because hopefully one day they can Mm -hmm. and you know it kind of also takes away some heat from the parents in my opinion it kind of opens people's minds up Investigators also are taking mouse swabs in hopes of matching the DNA to a genetic material extracted from skin tissue recovered under JonBenet's fingernails. So slowly but surely, as the years have gone on, they're releasing more and more evidence of the DNA that they have, which is and good yeah, because they're, it's like showing they are doing stuff. They yeah. have stuff. They just aren't releasing everything, mm-hmm. which it's a homicide. What are we expecting? We, they can't lay it out in front of us and just tell us everything, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's just like the case that we covered about Amy Mahalovic. They kept a lot of that evidence wrapped up pretty tight. And then mm-hmm. slowly they started releasing more and more, hoping yes. that maybe it would kind of get somebody to come forward. So For sure. And just to peak interest again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because now it's been a, over a year. Mm-hmm. And so they're still trying to get things going here. So then on March 13th, Boulder police asked the district attorney to convene a grand jury in hopes of solving the murder. We have made the formal request and the DA now has it under consideration, Chief Tom Kobe said. The request was made because the police investigation has not yet resulted in sufficient admissible evidence to convict anyone of the murder of JonBenet Ramsey, said a statement from the district attorney's office. Hunter will review the investigation file to decide if a grand jury will advance the case, a decision that is going to take a long time, according to the district attorney's spokeswoman, Susan Lauren. Mm -hmm. A grand jury could subpoena witnesses who refuse to talk to the police, such as John Bonet's parents, John and Patsy Ramsey, who recently rejected requests for additional interviews. Now, I never knew this was a thing, but you can pretty much like what this is explaining is you can get a jury you can call a jury and they can force mm-hmm. people to come and talk yeah um i never even knew that was a thing until this case yeah you because that's like when you get subpoenaed you don't yes. have a choice yes and it's all up to them because like the police think they have enough 
evidence, but they can't mm-hmm. get a warrant. Mm-hmm. So if you can't get a warrant, you get a grand jury. If they are convinced that they ha- you have enough evidence, mm-hmm. they are kind of like the warrant. Yep. Um, the jury then decides, yes, we you need to force this person to come and talk. You get mm-hmm. subpoenaed and you have to talk or you like can get jail time. Yeah. So I thought that was so cool because I never even knew that was a thing yeah. until this case. That's so interesting. Like they can't just stand there and say, no, I'm not doing it unless yes. you have more. Yeah, it's... Yes. It's a good thing to and have you in have place. A, a jury, they have to vote. It has to be majority rule. It's not just like, yep, we can do whatever we want. So that's, I think that's really important and something definitely I learned from this case because I never even knew that was a thing. Mm-hmm. So then moving forward on April 15th, John Ramsey writes a letter to Alex Hunter, who is the district attorney, saying he and his wife will undergo any interviews, anytime, any place, as long as he wished, according to the Ramsey's attorney, Brian Morgan, which... Before so, this, they had been refusing, yeah. refusing, refusing. And they were saying no. Yes. So then May 31st, Boulder police prosecutors and two veterans of the O.J. Simpson defense team. Oh, cri- wow. Yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy. Uh, criminologist Henry Lee and attorney Barry Sheck tour the Ramsey home in anticipation of investigators case presentation. Also, John Ramsey calls Alex Hunter's home in an attempt to discuss proposed interviews. Ramsey is instructed to contact prosecutors through his attorney. John is kind of just going willy-nilly and talking when he's not supposed to. Like, his attorney yeah. should be talking for him. June 1st through the 2nd, police present the Ramsey investigation to the Boulder County District Attorney's Office over two days. Uh, police announce they have interviewed over 590 people. Wow. And they've investigated 119 possible suspects, collected pretty much 1,100 pieces of evidence, and the case file consists of 30,000 pages. Which is, like, one of the biggest cases I've ever heard of. Yeah. That's seriously insane. That's huge. That's a lot of evidence, too. Mm -hmm. And it's still unsolved. June 10th through the 12th, Burke, which was JonBenet's brother, was questioned by a Broomfield police detective in Atlanta. June 24th through the 27th, John and Patsy Ramsey are interviewed separately over three days at the Broomfield Police Department by investigators and prosecutors from the Boulder County District Attorney's Office. Alex Hunter announces the Ramseys are cooperating with the investigation and have pledged to turn over certain documents. During this time, the police keep publicly accusing the family, specifically the parents, are not cooperating, even though now they are, which they hadn't been, but now they are, which I... is good at least uh john and patsy are denying any of this saying that they have done and honored everything that has been asked of them even though they've been i feel like pretty hesitant mm-hmm. understandable but also still like this is your daughter yeah you know august 6th detective steve thomas releases a scathing resignation letter accusing the d- district attorney of crippling the ramsey investigation and demanding a special prosecutor he appointed one of the initial detectives assigned to the case, Thomas littered his letter with allegations and uncollected and untested evidence, officials' unwillingness to use a grand jury to compel testimonies in the weeks following the slaying and the surreptitious videotaping of detectives inside the Ramsey home. So, you know, some of that, he is now coming forward and saying... Mm-hmm. No, they're not doing everything they can. They could be doing more, more. but they're choosing not to. Yep. Which has to be happening because i mean my god that much evidence and, and you don't have a single thing yeah you like don't have no more one? to go off of yeah it's crazy august 20th sources confirm an audio enhanced 911 tape revealing that john Bonet's brother burke was awake when his mother called 911 
and during this whole entire time, this year and so yeah. now almost three or two years, two and a half years later, what they were saying is contradicting because during the whole time they're mm-hmm. saying that Burke has been asleep. Yeah. From the time she Patsy woke up to the time she called nine one one to the time the police showed and searched the house, Burke is supposedly still sleeping. So from the police showed up at five fifty five, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and she's claiming Burke didn't wake up till seven AM. And yet two and a half years later they announce that he was he's awake. in the nine one one call. You can hear him. Jeez. And I will play the enhanced nine one one call. Um to me, I can't hear a single dang thing on it. Uh, I don't know what they're talking about. There but they are, have more equipment than I do. Yeah, so. I'm saying there's people that they make it like that. I mean, they, that's, their that's their specialization. Job. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they specialize in is yeah. really removing all that and getting that background noise. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not an expert in, in any way, but I will play it just so you can hear it. 9 years old. Yeah. Or he did do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like That's, there's one of yeah. two things. Yeah. So, um I don't know why they were but why they also thought too that that would never come out at some point. I don't know. Yeah. Again. So many questions. Mm-hmm. It's very throughout this entire It's I think the craziest it's like one of the craziest cases I've ever read. Yeah, from how it was handled to how the parents reactions and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like every part of it is yes questions 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 yes okay so on september 5th is when they represent the case to the grand jury okay then moving forward a few weeks october 15th the colorado bureau of investigation handwriting analysis chet yubowski appears before the grand jury yubowski in early 1997 determined that neither john ramsey nor john benet the then nine-year-old brother Burke wrote the note, so they he is the one that's like, no, it was not John Ramsey, and it was not yeah, Burke, Burke okay. who wrote the note. There were indications that Patsy Ramsey was the writer, according to the court documents, but he concluded the evidence falls short of that being necessary to support a definite conclusion. Okay, which is just crazy. It's like either it is her handwriting or it isn't. I mean, if she's trying to cover up that she wrote it, I can see how every single handwriting 
um, test that she does or that sample they different. collect. She's trying to make it differently. Suspicious. Very. So then on November 12th, it comes out that John Ramsey stored his 28-year-old airplane at a hangar located at the Jefferson County Airport in Broomfield. The hangar was never searched by police, which, what are we doing, people? What yeah. are we doing? You should be looking and at And it was documented by both of them that he visited the hangar the day before. Oh, Lord. Like, he admitted it. And they His never... wife admitted it, and it's never been searched. I mean, all you, gotta, all you have to do is send out just a couple agents out there yep. to look at it. Yes. So then December 26th, the second anniversary of John Bonet's death, passes quietly in Boulder. It's so sad, former Ramsey neighbor Joe Barnhill tells the Daily Camera, we loved that girl. So now it's been two years, officially. So then starting in 1999, January 28th, the district attorney Alex asked the public for help in identifying a stuffed Santa Claus bear that was seen in uh, crime scene photos of Mm -hmm. John Bonet's bedroom, but... Since those photos, it's never been seen since. Does that... I, I don't know the significance of it, but they well, were asking I mean, a lot of questions. I can see that. Yeah, I have children, and they are obsessed with their stuffed animals. And yeah. every night, they know when one is missing or one's been misplaced. So I can kind of understand, especially a six-year-old, she has the stuffed animal. Those don't just disappear. They don't just... Yeah, so are away. they indicating... But, but, I mean, it was taken during the crime scene photos. So, it's not like the murderer took it if it's not a family member. So, then where did it go? Exactly. But they were searching for it. They couldn't figure out where the bear was coming from. I I don't think they ended up actually finding out where it came from, but they found close match here and there. And so, mm-hmm. they searched into that. But nothing came about from that. Still to this day, nothing has been said about the bear. So then there must have been something that that bear could have had on it, in it, something that made investigators want to look at. Somebody must have seen the crime scene photo and noticed something about the bear. That's just my guess. Well, maybe it had blood on it. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Something. And then they're like, okay, we need to get that bear. And then the bear is gone. So. Which, what the hell? mm -hmm. Okay. So then JonBenet's aunt Pam recently told a reporter that a note was found in a pouch the bear had tied around its waist, but search warrants do not list any such note as evidence collected at the crime scene. Okay, so right there. So maybe... So somebody knew. They think something was on the bear. I'm not really sure, but either way, something had to have been intriguing enough for them to ask the public for help. Yeah. May 19th, JonBenet's brother, Burke, testifies before the grand jury. Prosecutors subsequently reaffirm that the 12-year-old is not a suspect in his sister's death. Okay. So then September 30th, John Ramsey's adult children, John Andrew and Melinda, appear before the grand jury. Sometime in October, the grand jury was dismissed, and the district attorney's office determining there was not sufficient evidence to bring any charges to anyone. Within that same year, John Bonet's 12-year-old brother was officially ruled out as a suspect. And honestly, that is it. That's where it ends. There is nothing else to go forward with this case. I will make this a part two because there is so much more Mm -hmm. to go with it. Especially over the years. Yeah, because there's a few things that have come out here and there. Mm -hmm. But for the majority of the case, that is the case. She went to, she supposedly went to this party. She supposedly was asleep the whole time, went to bed. She came home, went to bed, they woke up. And she was 
dead on the floor in the basement. And that's it. That's just so many holes. Yes. And how do you not wake up? How how does you, how does this happen to your daughter and you not wake up once? And well, coming from so coming just from my own personal experience. I mean, I can say that I feel like you sleep lighter as a parent and you do hear everything because I can like hear when one of my children are wrestling around, like it mm-hmm. just wakes you up. But at the same time, though, there have been times where my kids have woken up and I don't even budge. I don't wake up at all. And they're they're able to make it downstairs, get themselves breakfast and watch TV. And then I'm coming to waking up and realizing, oh, crap, they're downstairs. Yeah. So I can see that if it was someone she knew coming in, didn't startle her, brought her down Gave her a snack. I don't know. I can, yeah, because I mean, she, there was pineapple found there in was her stomach. There was food found in her stomach, which means it wasn't digested. Mm-hmm. And then just leading her down to the basement with some type of bruise. Or even did she, you know, and we can talk more theories yeah. on the next one, yeah. but just really quickly before I forget this theory in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, did she get hungry and come downstairs to eat and she walked onto something? Yeah. Because. I will say later in the next episode, I will say I will talk more about the evidence and stuff. And with the Garrett specifically, it was made in with things around him or her, whoever killed her. It was made within like within things within the house. Yeah. And that's and so that's even makes it even more like, like. Yeah. And like you said, we'll talk more about it next time. But how the person was able to get into the home, but everything was undisturbed, like all the entrances where there were unlocked windows and doors was undisturbed there weren't footprints in the snow it just yeah doesn't quite add up no i mean unless they which this has never been talked about or even publicized or anything do they have a spare key that someone knew about because like i don't know when i was a kid we had a spare key hidden somewhere yeah yeah at all times Mm -hmm. so it's like do they have a spare key they hid and someone Mm -hmm. knew about it and snuck in their house like yeah there's, I'm sure there's a lot of theories that will be. Yes. So we'll talk more, but mm-hmm. with all this information, I feel like it's a good time to stop because yep. there's, it's just too much for one episode. We're already, you know, somewhat far into this. So obviously with anyone with information related to this investigation is asked to contact the Boulder Police Department tip line at 303-441-1974 or the Northern Colorado Crime Stoppers at one 800 222-8477 as always thank you for listening to crime connections if you would so kindly go follow us share and like us on facebook at crime connections or follow us on instagram at crime connections pod don't forget to come back next week to finish part two of john Bonet's case if you have any news tips or cases you want us to look into please feel free to email us or dm us we love hearing from you guys um yeah thanks guys thank you bye